Well, I'm excited to be able to uh, share with you guys this morning the last week in the Ugly Christmas Sweater series. Um, I, you know, did notice we have a little bit of a smaller crowd. Couldn't tell if it was because, you know, Christmas was just a couple days ago. Maybe people still celebrating with family or if maybe the word got out that I was preaching so Pastor John wouldn't be up here to notice that people are missing. But, you know, I mean, he's allowed to take the Sunday off. I guess other people are too. Uh, but, uh, no, uh, really, um, I'm guessing I'm here to finish up the series, maybe to tie up any loose ends he left, clean up any messes that he made. Uh, no, but uh, I, uh, I was going to, I told him I might lay into him a little bit. And then when he neglected to remember that I would be up here with Jeff and Danielle, no holds, we're gonna, nothing was going to be held back. So, uh, so uh, the first passage we're going to be in is Luke chapter 2, so you can go ahead and turn there. Uh, but before we get into that, um, you know, we've already kind of gone through uh, talking about different different ugly things, right, with Christmas. We've talked about ugly motives, ugly thoughts, ugly attitudes. Uh, today we're going to talk about ugly words, all right? So when I say Christmas and ugly words, what comes to mind? All right, you might, there might be a couple different things you think of. Uh, maybe a couple Christmas songs, like You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, right? That's not a very nice song to him. I mean, he's not a very nice guy, but those aren't really nice words that are sung about him. Um, Another person that I might think of is, you know, maybe some people from Christmas movies. Um, uh, a couple that come to mind would be, actually, I think Pastor John touched on him. Uh, and one of the other weeks was uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, right? Bah humbug, that's not very nice uh, thing to say to people, especially around Christmas time. Um, one that I think about, and I guess you can argue he wasn't really saying words. He was just mumbling, but it wasn't nice mumbling, would be Harry from Home Alone, right? He would always kind of grumble and mumble as he's, you know falling all over the place and getting beat up by whatever Kevin set up for him. Um, and then another another character that I think about is uh, the old man from A Christmas Story, right? He didn't have any very much nice things to say. Uh, and actually, I wrote down a quote from the movie, uh, or not something that he said, because that wouldn't be appropriate to share. But uh, the narrator, as he's talking about him, he says, In the heat of battle, my father wove a tapestry of obscenity, that, as far as we know, is still hanging in space over Lake Michigan. All right, so he had a he had a um, a reputation within his family, probably with the people that he knew uh, around the neighborhood, of somebody who probably didn't say too many nice things. Um, some of us, maybe, when we think about ugly words in Christmas time, maybe we think about family get-togethers, right? Uh, maybe not always, you know, fun times. Maybe people arguing. I know for my family, it's not necessarily ugly words, um, but if you know my family and my extended family, they're just really loud words. Okay, it can get pretty loud, um, pretty chaotic. Um, uh, one thing that we always do on Christmas Day is play dirty bingo, and it's very aptly named because nobody holds anything back. You know, grown-ups are stealing things from kids, husbands stealing things from wives, and it's very, very loud. So, um, but those are maybe some things that come to your mind when you think of Christmas and, and ugly words. Uh, and like I said, we've already talked about motives, we talked about ugly thoughts and attitudes, um, but today talking about our words. Um, and really, if you think about our ugly thoughts, our ugly attitudes really can kind of be reflected in the words that we say. Okay, a lot because a lot of times those thoughts and attitudes and even our motives um, aren't necessarily known to the people around us all the time until it comes out in our words. A lot of times we can almost kind of get away with it. And last time I was able to preach, kind of talked about um, how we like to look at other people, hold people to other standards that we don't hold for ourselves. Uh, but really, we're justifying the, the the sins that we deal with, the sins that we struggle with. And a lot of times we might do that with our attitudes, motives, and thoughts. Right? If they're ugly. 
A lot of times we can keep that inward, um, but many times it comes out in the form of our words. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look into the Bible, and, and I want to look at really three key parts of what we're going to talk about uh, this morning. And the first part is going to be uh, what I'm calling our example, okay? And then the second thing we're going to talk about is the power of our tongue or the power of our words. And then finally, we're going to look at what our command is, all right? So uh, let's go ahead and pray real quick as we get ready to go into the Word, and uh, then we'll get started in Luke chapter 2. Dear God, I thank you once again for bringing us here together. I just pray that as we go into your Word now, um, as, uh, as we look and, and really kind of see and maybe reflect on our own lives of how maybe we can be guilty of, of using ugly words and uh, maybe not even realize what we're doing, um, but God, I just pray that we can be um, able to look into the word, see what our example is, um, understand the power of our words, and uh, be able to uh, understand what our command is and take that and go forward with our words. So I just pray that you, again, be with us in our time this morning. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So go ahead, like I said already, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 15. Luke chapter 2 and verse 15. Now this chapter... <clears throat> Many, many people know this chapter is just really being the story of Christmas, right? Uh, many people, uh, maybe you have a family tradition where you read this Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, uh, whatever it might be. This is, this is the story of Christmas when we look in Luke chapter 2. So let's, like I said, we're going to start in verse 15 and read through verse 20 this morning. And uh, so verse 15 in Luke chapter 2 says, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, The shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told to them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered all those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, and it was told unto them. So as we go uh, through this passage, uh, really what we're going to pull out of this is, I said we're going to talk about our example. All right, Our example, just to really put it out there, is the shepherds. Now, how were they our example? We're going to kind of break that down in a couple different ways. Uh, but really, first and foremost, the shepherds, they were, they're a great example of how we should use our words to spread joy and hope, especially uh, this time of year, um, as opposed to using ugly words. And as I said, maybe we'll kind of get into a little bit more of what we were talking about with ugly words. But they're really a great example of the opposite of ugly words, right? They, they heard this message from the angels. Uh, so really, they received the news. Um, and then after they received the news, what are the, the angels, they came and told them all about Jesus being born, where they could find him, all this. Uh, uh, we see that before verse 15 in Luke chapter 2. Uh, but they heard the news, and then what did they do? They went right away to go see what the angels had told them about. Because if this happened to you, right, these shepherds are out in the fields, they're watching their sheep, and just out of nowhere, it's really quiet night, out of nowhere, just this massive explosion of sound, of angels singing, glorifying God, praising him, and bringing this news to you, that didn't happen very often, probably, right? Probably never, okay? So they're going to go right away, see what the angels were talking about. So they received the news, they went and saw, and then after that, as we read through this passage, after they went and saw Jesus and spent time with him, then they went and told, okay? So they, they received the news, they went and saw, and they went and told. And uh, another way that we can kind of break this down and look at it, uh, 
a couple weeks ago, we had our, our teen Christmas party, and, and we kind of touched a little bit on this passage for our little devotion that we had. And uh, we kind of broke it down that they heard the news, right? They heard the news from the angels, and then they had an encounter with Jesus. They went to go see what the angels told about. And when they did that, they had an encounter with Jesus. And then after that, they shared the story. And when we, when we talked about that at the Christmas party, what we really kind of made the connection was, how can we look at the shepherds as our example in that way? They heard the news, they had an encounter with Jesus, then they shared the story. Well, that's a lot what it's like when we accept the gift of salvation, right? We hear the story of the gospel, we hear that good news, and then we have an encounter with Jesus. We accept that gift, we, we understand what the change that Jesus brings in our life when we accept that gift of salvation. And then we, we want to share our story, right? Whether it's by sharing our testimony or we go out and share the story of the gospel with other people because we've experienced that change and that love and that hope that comes with that. So we look here, we see the shepherds that they're a great example in how to not use ugly words, how to use joyful words, hopeful words, and really just share words with love um, to really anybody that they come in contact with. We see in verses 17 and 20 that they use their words to glorify God and tell elders what they had heard and seen. So again, we'll read those real quick. Verse 17 says, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. So right when they, what's really cool about this story is there's not really any like gaps between the, the, the main points that happen, right? The, the angels come to the shepherds, they give them this good news. And the next thing we see is that the shepherds, they go to see what was going on. Right, they didn't sit around and wait. Like they were so excited to go see what was going on. And then after they went and they saw Jesus, they saw him in the manger. They saw Mary and Joseph. Again, there's no gap in the story. They didn't go home taking that. Like it says, then they went out and really told everybody. Okay, verse twenty. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, and it was told unto them. So again, we see them using their words to not only glorify God but also to tell others what they had heard and what they had seen. Um, and in verse 18, and this is really kind of kind of carry us into our second point. Verse 18, we see uh, all the things that they had heard it, all, all they that had heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. So this is talking about the people who received the news from the shepherds. After they, they heard the news from the angels, they went and had their encounter with Jesus, and then they went out and told everybody. So verse 18 is talking about the people that that story was shared with. And it says, all they that had heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. So after the shepherds were gone, after they went their way, these people, they kept thinking about it and pondering about what the shepherds had told them. So really, if you think about it, the shepherds' words of them sharing this story had a really big impact on these people that they shared it with. So why, why would their words have such a big impact? Now, the easy answer would be, well, it was they were talking about the Messiah, right? But we're going to kind of look into another reason why their words might have had such a big impact. And that is really the power of our words, the power of our tongue that we have. All right. So for that, we're going to go ahead and turn to James chapter 3. So turn over there with me, James chapter 3. This might be a little bit of a familiar passage uh, when, it, when it comes to talking this idea of using our words right, uh, about the power that our words carry. Um, but really, as we go through here, we're going to see that James is talking about what the power of the tongue is. And he makes a couple comparisons. And how are we going to be able to take that and apply it to what we're looking at with the shepherds being our example and then make the connection to what our command is? And then with this understanding and this knowledge of the power that our words and our tongue carry, what are we going to do with that? So James chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 3 and read all the way through verse 10. 
says there, Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships with which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. In the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith we... Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. So as we kind of break this passage down and kind of go into what this means for us and and the idea of ugly words, in verses 3 through 5 we see that the tongue, or in in our case, our, our argument this morning, our words are very powerful. So as you look through those first few verses, we see the first example that he uses is the bit in a horse's mouth, right? Horses, they're, they're pretty big. They're a pretty powerful animal, large animal. They're what we use to say how fast, how powerful our cars are. That's our comparison. These are big, uh, powerful, strong animals. Um, but the bit that we put in their mouth to kind of direct them which way to go is extremely small compared to the size of the whole, the whole animal. But just that little bit and then us controlling or whoever's sitting on that horse controlling that bit is going to make the the horse go whichever way uh, they want it to go. The second example that he uses is the helm on a large ship. And here he's talking about, obviously, a sail ship because back when this was written, that's really all they had. Um, But just a little bit of uh, kind of information to maybe give you a good idea. Now, what what is, if I say really large ship, what's probably the first thing that comes to your mind? The Titanic, right? Now, there's been plenty of ships built since then that are way bigger, um, a lot more successful as ships as well. Um, just a side note there. But uh, the Titanic was 883 feet long and weighed 52,310 tons. Yet it can be turned by one man steering at the wheel. So, again, think about how big, how massive that ship is. And then if you want to think about more modern ships, how big and massive they are. But really it comes down to just one kind of person steering at the wheel. Okay? Now, when I think about that, my mind just immediately goes to me being at the wheel, and that's almost kind of a scary thought, thinking that how much power that you have just at this one little wheel to turn this big, giant, massive ship. And if you think about that, you really kind of think about how scary that might be, how um, maybe humbling that is, and really kind of puts into perspective how much power and really uh, almost a, a, a a bad effect or a good effect, depending on how we use it, our words can be. And we can think about the bit in the horse's mouth. We can think about the helm of a big ship. But I think many times we don't acknowledge the fact that our words have just as much power, if not more so. He even goes on to uh, compare it to the tiniest fire can really spread into a massive wildfire, right? It, it really just takes one spark. And it's the same with our words. You know, we can all probably think growing up all the different things that we've heard people say uh, when it comes to the words that we use. Uh, You know, you can't take your words back. 
Uh, you know, a lot of people compare it to a tube of toothpaste. Once you squeeze it out, you can't put it back in, um, which is true. But when I think about that, the only thing I think is, well, how, how would I put toothpaste back into if I could? And then I completely lose the whole point of the entire metaphor. And I get distracted. But that's just the way my mind works sometimes. Uh, but, yeah, so that's really uh, a great way to kind of think about. And these, these two examples, really three examples that he uses, the bit in the horse's mouth, the ship, and the fire, we could all agree that, yeah, those are tiny things that have a huge effect, a massive effect. Um, but we don't really realize the massive effect that maybe our words might have. And one thing that really kind of always comes to my mind, and one thing that I always try and, you know, reinstill into the teens on Wednesday nights when we're talking about what we, what we should be doing as Christians is sharing the gospel, spreading the gospel, making disciples, is it's not always just about what we say. That, like, the, I'm talking to you guys right now, right? And then whoever's going to watch it online later. It's not just going to be you who are affected by the words that I'm saying. You guys might go on and say something else based on what I said, and it's just going to continue to spread that way. And so that, in that sense, the idea of the tiniest spark starting a huge wildfire is almost the best example because it just takes one thing and it can spread uh, rapidly. It can spread immensely. Um, really, if you just think about gossip, right? All it takes is one person kind of saying something, and then we've all probably played the, the game telephone. You know, starting gossip in and of itself isn't a good idea. But then it gets twisted and turned by going through all different kinds of people. And by the time it gets to the end, it's almost a completely different story, ten times worse probably. Um, and that's really what the power of our words are. But as we continue to go through this passage and we look uh, at the last verse that we read, verse 10, uh, we understand that we should be positive with our words. Right? Verse 10 says, Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Now, we can all probably think of times when, you know, we've said nice things to people. We can also think of many times when we've said bad things to people or about people. Um, and what it says here uh, that out of the same mouth proceeded blessing and cursing, there's probably been times in our lives when we can also think that it was almost like immediately. Like I said something nice to somebody, and then they walked away, and then I, whether I said it to myself or to somebody else, like said something horrible about that person. And... So we see that, we understand that, yeah, we can say good things, we can say bad things, but a lot of times it's almost immediate, right? Many times we can say things uh, because the nice things that we say, maybe we don't really mean that. Um, We know that we should mean it, but whether it's our thoughts, our motives, our attitudes are kind of influencing us to want to say those bad things about people. But as we see in this verse, really we should be building people up. Right? We should be encouraging people. Uh, another thing that we know as Christians, we should be pointing others to Christ. And if we're saying all the ugly words, we're saying bad things to people, bad things about people, that's not doing anything for the work of God, right? If anything, that's hindering. Uh, when we're thinking about our, our testimony, again, just like we talked about the, our influence of words isn't just on the people we're saying them to, our testimony doesn't just influence our witness to people. Right? If I have a bad testimony, somebody that I know, they know me, I claim to be a Christian, and I'm just a horrible person, and that's the only example of a Christian they know, and then you come along and try to witness to them and, and say that you're a Christian, they're going to think, well, I know Greg, and he's a total jerk. Why would I want to buy into what you're telling me? Right? My testimony has now ruined your witness with that person. And so it's the same thing with our words. Right? Uh, they need to be pointing others to Christ. And uh, real quick, you don't have to turn there, but if you want to jot it down, Ephesians 4.29 really kind of gives us the same idea of let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. All right, that which is good to the use of edifying, to building people up. 
and that it may minister grace unto the hearers. If I'm just constantly spewing hatred, constantly spewing bad things, saying, you know, hurtful, awful words to people, that's not ministering grace, right? That's ministering that hate, that hurt. Um, and that's what I'm just going to be perpetuating. And again, that's going to hurt my own witness to people. That's going to hurt other people's witnesses uh, to those people. But it's important to understand the power that our words hold. If we have bad attitudes, thoughts, or motives, they're reflected in our words. We're not building people up or pointing them to Christ. Now, especially around Christmas time, we need to understand the effect our words can have on people. Um, I was able to talk to, I think I mentioned last time, I've been able to uh, start doing uh, kind of every two weeks, every other week, I uh, do a Zoom call with a couple other youth leaders and Word of Life leaders. And uh, it's really been a great uh, kind of encouraging thing for me. Uh, but we were kind of talking about this idea of around Christmas time, the witness that we have, right? Uh, it's really kind of paving the way, kind of giving us a launching pad to be able to share the gospel with people. Uh, we had... Uh, we had people volunteering to ring the bell at Kroger, right? And Pastor John talked about how, um, you know, just saying Merry Christmas to people, have a nice day. They kind of stopped, and maybe they were just going to kind of go right by. They have a routine. You know, this time you're really busy. Um, but maybe they'll stop, and they'll talk to you for a minute. And it's a great way to, to share the gospel. Um, uh, secular Christmas stations are playing Christmas songs that have the story of Jesus coming to the earth, Right? To me, that's almost kind of funny. It's like we kind of slid that one by them. You know, they, they didn't understand that, you know, we kind of got that story in there. But they, pl- they play it, right? And so these people, they're hearing these, these Christmas songs that are about Jesus coming to the earth, talking about him, you know, being the Savior of the world. And that's, again, that's a great starting point for us to be able to share the gospel. And one thing that uh, I always kind of think about, one thing I talk about with, you know, those other youth leaders is when you're talking to the teenagers about uh, sharing the gospel, one of the biggest concerns that they have is, well, I don't know what to say, or I don't know how to start the conversation. Well, this time of year, we almost have that excuse wiped away, right? We have the, the time of Christmas where people who aren't even followers of Christ, people who don't even go to church, they, they know that it's Christmas. Even if they don't celebrate Christmas, they know it's Christmas, and we can use this time of year to be able to share that hope and joy that we know that we're celebrating at Christmas. Um, But for many people, uh, Christmas is an exciting and happy time of year, but for others it can be a sad, lonely, um, and especially this year, uh, frustrating or discouraging time of year, right? There are many people who are kind of frustrated, discouraged that they couldn't do things that they normally did. Um, uh, People, you know, maybe whether it's this year or years past, they've lost a relative, and this was the first time that they were uh, celebrating Christmas without that relative, and that's always difficult. Um, But you think about that, and then you can really kind of see how even this time of year, especially this time of year, our words, whether ugly or good words, can really either damage and make it even worse for those people, or we can use it to encourage people, whether it's, it's a happy time for them, we can rejoice with them, we can celebrate with them. Or for the people who are sad, we can use our words to encourage them and lift them up and give them hope and peace and joy. Um, but as you think about that, it's important to find the right words to say to people because of the power of our words, right? Those people who, who've experienced loss, those people uh, who, who were frustrated not being able to do things that they wanted to do. And uh, last week, actually... Uh, on, on Sunday night, we were kind of talking about how, you know, maybe this year we're not able to do everything that we wanted to do in celebrating Christmas. But really, uh, in the discussion, we kind of talked about how it almost allows us to bring our focus back to what Christmas really is about, 
right? We all might have our own different traditions, different family traditions that we do. And maybe because of this thing going on, we weren't able to do it or we weren't able to do it because of this thing over here. Um, yeah, it, it's sad to, to kind of lose out on that. But really, uh, if you if you want to look at it with the right attitude uh, and the right thoughts, it's it's really helping us to bring our focus back to what Christmas is about. And that's how we can use our words to help encourage those people who maybe are feeling down, discouraged, um, and, and really kind of upset. And especially, you know, we're, Pastor John was talking about the, the series that we're going to be starting next week about first things first. Um, one thing that I've been thinking about with the new year coming up, everybody's been talking about 2020 is horrible. Can't wait for 2020 to be over. Um, you know, not to look at it in a negative aspect, but just because it becomes January 1st doesn't mean like everything goes away immediately, right? So we need to keep that in mind when it comes to people who maybe are kind of misleading themselves, thinking that something's just going to flip, you know, on January 1st. And we can use our words to encourage those people because, you know, maybe those people are going to get down discouraged uh, when, you know, January 1st comes and, and really nothing really changes all that much. Um, so... Now, one thing that I think of all the time, whether I'm looking at this, this passage um, or just talking about the words that we have to say in general, um, you know, a lot of us have probably heard, uh, and you could probably finish this, the, the phrase with me, if you don't have anything nice to say, right, don't say anything at all, right? I didn't have the luxury of that growing up, right? And my siblings can attest to this. Uh, our dad used to say, if you don't have anything nice to say, think of something nice to say. That was horrible, Right? I'm mad at them. I don't want to think of something nice to say about them, okay? Uh, but really, that's what we should be doing, right? That's just a nice thing to do in general. But as Christians, that's what we should be doing. Maybe there's a family member who, you know, maybe we always butt heads. Maybe there's a coworker that we don't really like who kind of annoys us. Uh, whatever it might be, that person needs to hear the gospel. That person needs to hear the hope and joy and the love of Christ that we know to be true. So, no matter what our feelings about those other people are, we need to be coming, we need to be thinking of the right words to say, thinking of positive and nice words to say to them. Um, and really, uh, we don't have to kind of come up to it, come up with the right words to say as Christians because we know what we're supposed to tell them. And that's going to take us to, to the third thing that we're going to look at, and that is our command. All right, so for our command, go to Matthew chapter 28. Again, this, this should be a, uh, a pretty familiar passage for, for those of us who are followers of Christ. But Matthew chapter 28, we're going to read the last few verses in that chapter. So we've already looked at the, the shepherds um, in being our example, right? They, they heard the news. They heard the great news. They went and saw what the news was about. And then they went out and they shared it with really anybody that it seemed like they came in contact with. Um, we also understood that what the things that they said had a great effect on those people, right? Their, their words had uh, a stronghold on those people. And we understood that the reasoning for that is because our words have power. Our tongue uh, has, has a lot of power, and it's up to us to use, you know, the power of our words for the right things as opposed to the wrong things. And now we're going to look at, well, what do we do with this knowledge of the power of our words, the example of the, the shepherds? Well, this is our command. Our command in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And then real quick, another passage that goes kind of hand in hand with this, if you want to turn there, is Luke, or I'm sorry, 
Acts 1 8. Acts 1 8. It says there, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. All right, so this is one thing that uh, I always kind of come back to when talking to the teenagers about, like when we ever kind of get on the subject of what's God's will for my life. And especially the older teenagers as they're getting close to graduation, trying to figure out what their next step is going to be, that might be one thought that they kind of have running through their minds, right? What's God's will for my life? What am I supposed to do? Um, and for all of us, it's going to be something different, right? We're all gifted differently. We all have different spiritual gifts. We all have different uh, talents, different interests. And God's going to be able to use us based on, you know, those things that he's gifted us with. But as we're, we're seeking out and trying to find God's specific will for our life, we all know that as followers of Christ, we all have this as our will that God wants us to be doing. And that is to take the gospel out to the world, the ends of the world, and to make disciples of him. So, as I said, for, as Christians, we should be very familiar with this verse. Um, really, this is the last thing that Jesus said uh, and commanded his followers before he ascended into heaven. Um, now, if, looking back at Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, we're all called to take the gospel to all nations, right? Every single one of us. There's, it doesn't say, you know, everyone take, everyone take the gospel to all nations except you. You don't have to do this. It doesn't, you know, say if you're not great at speaking, you don't have to do it. Uh, it just says that's what we're commanded to do. We're commanded to take the, the, the gospel, the story of Jesus to all nations, to the ends of the earth, okay? And probably the thing that a lot of think, people think when they see that is, well, how am I supposed to, like, I can't really go and do this and go to the ends of the earth, right? I can't do that myself. I haven't been called to take, you know, the gospel to be a missionary over here. Well, we can support missionaries who do that. And in doing so, we're helping take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Um, but also, it's important to remember, and many times, uh, and many churches nowadays kind of forget the second part of the command that we've been given, and that's to make disciples, right? A lot of times, we share the gospel, we take the gospel to people, we lead people to Christ, they accept salvation, and that's great, that's awesome, but then a lot of times, they just get left hanging, and they don't know what, what to do next, Right? We're called to also make disciples of those people. We're called to take what we've seen and heard. When you think about Paul and Timothy, Paul tells Timothy to take the things that you've seen and heard and, and heard me teach and command you, go and take that and teach those things to other people as well. It's just this chain that continues, right? And so we're called to not just take the gospel to all nations, but we're called to make disciples. And both of these require us to be using the right words, to not be using ugly words, okay? Um, Again, sharing the gospel with people. We already talked about our testimony and what that effect can have on us sharing the gospel. But really using the right words, uh, not ugly words, when making disciples is just as important. Because that, that sharing of the gospel, um, it, now depending on who, who the person is, the sharing of the gospel and trying to lead somebody to Christ, it could happen the first time you do it or it could take years. Okay, and it can be frustrating as you're going through that. Um, but regardless of who the person is, the process of discipleship is really a lifelong process because not one of us—I mean, I don't think we could—you can raise your hand if, if I'm wrong—but none of us have like we figured it out, right? We've reached you know the final level of being a Christian. Now I can just put it on cruise control the rest of the way out. None of us have really re reached that point, right? We're not going to reach that point. So the idea of of be, 
being sanctified in Christ and growing in him is a lifelong process. And in that, so is the, the idea of discipleship. That's something that should be lifelong as well. And so that, again, is another one of those things. We talked about the steering wheel of a ship uh, having all this great power. If you think about, uh, well, it, I'm supposed to be helping disciple other people, and that's really kind of a lifelong process, and my words have a huge weight on that, that can be a really kind of humbling and burdensome thought to think about that I have to, like, always be on, right? I have to always make sure that I'm saying the right things because I don't want to hinder this person in their growth with Christ. I don't want to hinder them in their their faith. Uh, I want to make sure that I'm saying the right thing. But at the same time, you also got to remember, we should be being poured into by somebody else, right? We don't just want to be pouring into other people and neglecting our own walk with Christ. Uh, it's Again, it's a daily thing for us as well. Um, and so as, you know, as, as we go through our lives, it's important to find people that we can uh, pour into, but it's important to find people who can pour into us. And words, actions, thoughts, motives, uh, all those things are super important when it comes to, uh, to doing that the way that God wants us to do. Um, now, this does not mean the idea of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, the idea of uh, discipling people. This doesn't mean that we just set aside some time and go out and do this and say, this is the time that I go out and do this, right? This, uh, this, this one hour a week is when I'm going to go out and share the gospel. This one hour a week is when I'm going to disciple this person. Now, it's good if you're doing that, but we're called to just, to just do it. We should always be living in a way that we're able to share the gospel with people, always be living in a way that we're able to uh, encourage people, build them up in their faith, and really doing it everywhere we go. All right. Um, so, again, using our words to share the truth of the gospel and making disciples no matter where we are, no matter what time it is. Um, and really, we should be sharing the gospel, making disciples with everyone that we come in contact with, right? There's, again, there's no limit. If we look in these two passages that we looked at with for our command, there's no limit as to when, where, who we're supposed to share it with, how many times. Um, so as you, as you look in uh, that passage in Matthew chapter uh, 28, where it says to go and, and take the gospel to the ends of the earth, that doesn't mean set aside, set aside some time and go. Now, it's great if you're able to do that, but really if we, if we look at it in the sense of as we are going, wherever we go, we're sharing the gospel with people. We're living a life that points others to Christ. As we go, wherever we go, we're building others up in Christ who have already accepted that gift of salvation. We're pouring into them. We're discipling them. So no matter where it is that we go, it's not just go do it, okay? Because some people might say, well, my, my schedule is really busy. I don't have time, time to set aside some time to go out and do that. Well, what is your schedule? Your schedule is you're going to work, you're going shopping, you're going to the store, spending time with family. As you're doing all those things, we can share the gospel. We can use our words to spread the gospel, to, to encourage people and disciple those around us. So, again, don't just think of it as go. Think of it as everywhere you go. So no matter where we go or who we are with, we should always be using our actions and our words to point others to the gospel. So... As we kind of look back and kind of try and wrap all of this together and really kind of look at the, the three points that we looked at, talking about uh, the, the, the shepherds as our example, uh, the, the power that we have in our words and the command that we have, how are we going to take this and kind of put it into action? And as we go, as we leave here today and go throughout our week, again, maybe some of us still have Christmas celebrations to do uh, with different family members. Um, again, starting the new year this coming week, all these different things. How are we going to take what we've seen and put it into action uh, as we leave here today? So again, just remembering, especially this time of year, it's important that we're careful with the words that we use on a daily basis. 
Uh, we have an amazing opportunity where even people who don't go to church or people who aren't followers of Christ will be thinking about Christmas, right? Even though Christmas was a couple days ago, it's still kind of on our minds, right? I mean, we still have the trees up here, but it's still on plenty of our minds. Like I said, some of us might still have some celebrations to do. Uh, maybe it's on our minds because we have gifts re- to return, whatever it might be. Uh, it's not like January or December 26th, everyone's like, what's Christmas, right? No, it's still on our minds. So we have this amazing opportunity, especially this time of year. Um, and like I said, even though it was a couple days ago, we can still take advantage of this time to point people to the real reason of Christmas. Um, and so kind of going back at what we looked at, let's take a cue from the shepherds, right? The shepherds in Luke chapter 2, they went out and they told all the people about what they had heard first from the angels. And then after they heard it, they said, we got to go see this. Let's go see it. And after they saw it, they went out and they told everybody about it. Okay, if we could have that kind of, you know, just right, right as we hear it, we go. And, and right as we, we have that encounter with Jesus, we want to share it with other people. We would be in an amazing place, right? Uh, so first we see them, they're, they're our example. Right when they heard and saw it, they went out and they told other people. Because you think about it, now you might say, I didn't have an experience like the shepherds did, right? Have any of us ever been in the middle of a quiet field and all of a sudden there's thousands of angels singing and glorifying God? That would be a pretty amazing thing to see, right? And then to be able to go and see baby Jesus lying in a manger, that would be a pretty amazing thing to see. Now, it was probably a a simple setting, right? You know, they were just in a stable, uh, these young parents and then this tiny baby. Um, But I would have to imagine that, you know, when you were there in the presence of him, just something felt different. Because you were in the presence of God. You were in the presence of the, the Savior of the world. Something had to have felt different when they were there. And so you might say, well, I haven't had that experience. You know, yeah, I grew up in church. I, I accepted salva- the gift of salvation. Um, you know, and I continued to go to church. I never had an experience like that. But when we think about what our life would be, whether we were saved at a young age or, or later age in life, what our life would be without Christ, what that would be like. And again, this year we have a great kind of example to think about what that would be like. We look around at all these people who have so much fear, so much uh, kind of hatred, so much uh, worry, like they have, no, they have no hope. They think like everything around them is crumbling. And kind of all the same things are happening to us, but we have that hope. We have that joy because our hope and our joy isn't, shouldn't be found in the things that we have or the relationships that we have. Our hope is in Jesus. And so Yeah, maybe we didn't have that same exact experience as the shepherds did. But when we think about what our life would be like without Jesus, for me, it's hard to even imagine what that would be like. But we've had an encounter with Jesus, the creator of the universe, and he saved us so that we could spend eternity with him and so that we can, you know, go to him with really anything that we have. And so, yeah, uh, we've had our own individual special experience and encounter with Jesus. And we're able to have that personal relationship with him each and every day. And we have that hope and we have that joy. So just as they are our example, we should have just as much excitement as them because of what Christ has done for us, what we know he's going to do for us to go out and share that gospel uh, that we've accepted. Um, And also remembering the power that our words carry. Okay. Yes, we need to, we, we, it's easy for us to say, yeah, okay, when I'm, when I'm sharing the gospel, I, I'll, I'll share what the, the Bible says. But we also need to make sure that when we're not actively sharing, you know, scripture with people, that 
our, our words, our actions are reflecting the things that we're going to be sharing with them because our words have so much power. Uh, and then finally, we know what our command is. We know what we're supposed to take our words and go do. We're called to go and take the gospel to the ends of the world, to the ends of the earth, to make disciples, to encourage people in Christ, to build people up in Christ. And so as we kind of look at all of this and, and really thinking about how all the things that Pastor John's talked about the last few weeks, our thoughts, our, our, our motives, um, and, uh, last word is blanking from me. Thoughts, motives, and, Attitudes. It was an A. I wanted to say actions. I knew it started with an A, though. But, uh, yeah, so all of those things and our words, those are the things that we're going to be able to take and use to the people around us, right? And so our words can be such a great tool. So let's make sure that we're not using ugly words, that we're using positive words, uplifting words, loving words, hopeful words, joyful words, and be able to take that gospel out to the world around us, be the encouragement to people that we need to be, be the witness that God has called us to be, and be the uh, encouragement to our fellow believers as well. All right, it's important to remember that the idea of using, you know, the right words and not ugly words isn't just for people who aren't saved because, you know, maybe we're thinking, well, they're saved, you know, they already know the truth. I can slip up and say some wrong things around them. No, that's not the case because we need to be speaking things that are going to edify and lift people up regardless of whether they're saved or unsaved. So as we kind of uh, wrap up, we're going to take some time for some invitation here in a second. But as we go ahead and and go into prayer, I want us to think about uh, what are some ways that maybe I'm using ugly words? What are some ways that maybe, uh, whether it's in my motives, my attitudes, my actions, or my words, where I don't have, you know, the right things in mind, uh, the right words that I'm saying, the right things that I'm doing. Just ask God to reveal those things to you. Ask him to to give you to strength uh, to find the right things to say, find the right things to do, things to think about, and think on him. Focus on him. Have him be the main focus uh, from the time that we wake up to the time that we go to sleep because if we're keeping our focus on him as we go throughout the day, we're in that kind of mindset of prayer then we're going to be on the right track as we go throughout the day. When opportunities come up to share the gospel, opportunities, opportunities come up to disciple other people, we're going to be in that right mindset. We're going to have the right heart at that time. So as we go to prayer, ask God again to reveal those things to you. Ask him to help you in the areas where maybe you struggle. Um, and uh, just think think about what those things might be. Maybe you're not sure of what they are. Um, but as, as we go into prayer, as you pray throughout today, throughout this week, just ask God to reveal those things to you. And may, maybe as you go throughout the week, God's going to reveal it to you because maybe you'll slip up and say something you shouldn't say. And then God will be like, that's it right there. You need to knock that off. All right. So let's go ahead and pray right now. We'll go into some time of invitation and, uh, and then we'll close from there. Dear God, I thank you for this morning again. I thank you just for, uh, uh, giving me this message and uh, just the encouragement that has been to me myself, God. And I just pray that as uh, um, for those of us who've heard it here this morning and those who will hear it online, God, that it's just an encouragement, that it's a reminder um, that we need to be careful of the words that we say, the power that our words have, uh, that we can think of the, the shepherds as a good example uh, for us, God, that we can see uh, without hesitancy that they they heard the news, they went and saw and then after all of that, they, they just went and really told everybody that they came in contact with God. As they went, they shared. So, God, I just pray that we would remember that not just we just go out and do it once or go out and do it twice, uh, but just everywhere that we go that we would take uh, uh, kind, thoughtful, loving words and, and take the, the words of the gospel, the hope and the joy that comes with that, God, that we would share that with everybody that we come in contact with, God. 
that we would build others up around us, our, our fellow Christians, God, that we would uh, once again just pour into them, that we would find somebody who can pour into us uh, so that we can be that, the best possible witness that we can be and fulfill that command that you've given us, God, uh, the great commission that you've given us to take the gospel to the ends of the earth and to make disciples for you, God. So I just pray that um, as we go throughout the rest of our morning, God, that you would just allow us to uh, examine ourselves, that you would reveal to us any way that maybe... Um, we might be uh, falling in any of these areas, God, that you would just be with us as uh, we go throughout that, that you would just give us strength and courage as, uh, as maybe we need to go and find people that we've wronged with our words, God, that we need to uh, apologize, ask for forgiveness, God, that you would just give us uh, the willingness and the courage to be able to do that as that can be scary and intimidating, God. And I just pray that you'd be with us throughout this morning as we go into this time of invitation. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.